Hey guys, it's Chris from Tap the Craft, and I wanted to say thank you for checking out our show. I also wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Brewer Shirts. At the forefront of the craft beer movement, Brewer Shirts was one of the first to create apparel that celebrates the art of brewing and the love of fine beer. Never too trendy, always comfortable, and offering affordable quality. They screen print their gear by hand in their studio using eco-friendly inks, materials, and processes. Check out their online store at brewershirts.com and use the coupon code TAPTHECRAFT2020 to receive 15% off of full-priced items. Welcome, craft beer friends, to Season 7, Episode 23 of Tap to Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, the dog whisperer, and my favorite Florida man, also known as Drinking Eagle from Tampa, Florida, Mr. Chris McKenzie. How you doing tonight, and what is in your glass? So this evening, we have come off of a hell of a long weekend. Mm. Um. So just like you were moving Haley a couple of weeks or last weekend, we have started the process of Uh, moving a little bit at a time into our new house. Which is worse, a little bit at a time or all at once? Um, I would be willing to bet that if you really thought about it, it's probably worse doing it a little bit at a time. Because <laughs> it's a drag it's like on. A, it's like a real slow band-aid <laughs> yeah. that you got to pull off of a really hairy arm, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, I don't know. This, it, fortunately, because you know we're five, six minutes away from our new place, it's not such a big deal. Yeah. Which, yeah. which I'm pretty happy about. Um, doing it all at once, man, we, we just don't have the resources nor the uh, yard prepped to do so like yeah. we got to make sure we get our fence installed and all that good stuff um so we're doing it a little bit at a time we took some uh, you know patio furniture over there getting stuff set up mm-hmm. by the pool um you know just random kitchen stuff cleaned out our storage unit all that good stuff so we're able to do it a little bit at a time now admittedly i bet you no not i bet it 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 has to be it's probably more expensive to do it slowly Mm -hmm. um so i I don't know i'm this is how we did it the last time and i told i told a couple people hey you know i I really enjoyed being able to do it this way Mm -hmm. this was nice it was simple it got done um so you're not all stressed out trying to arrange for people to come help and make sure everything's boxed up and get all your muscle and i mean if you do it in small i could i could see where small portions of it would be less stressful you know if you're not if you're not rushed for time you, you still have five months on your lease so you've got five months yeah. to move uh, and you know what i'm <laughs> uh, it's it's technically right and i yeah. and you know reading through our lease i'm i'm looking at it and i'm going okay well can we get out of our lease early because mm-hmm. our lease says you know you gotta go through the whole the whole term mm-hmm so I'm I'm sitting here going, okay, well, how? There's got to be a way. Yeah. There's got to be a way to get out of this, right? And, and I think I'm gonna, you know, pull the, you know, pull the angle of, hey, look, we have to make an emergency move or whatever it might be, and you know, can you help us out? I know we're supposed to have the whole 
go the whole term. Um, so we'll see. And if not, I, I have a, I've got a plan. Okay. But the plan. How, how's the, how's the, oh, go, go ahead and see your plan uh, first. I was going to say the plan might affect my credit in the long term, so I don't know. Oh, you don't want to do that. You want to keep mm. your credit. But yeah. Uh, how's the housing market in Tampa? Is it booming? Stupid. Where, Just it, stupid. <laughs> so he won't have, the person won't have a problem uh, filling the vacancy once you're gone, right? I don't think they would. And the, the good, I guess the good and the bad is that it's not just, you know, John Smith down the street renting out the house. This is a, a very large organization with houses in yeah. probably a dozen states. So if they, if they lose out on one tenant, right, it's not going to hurt them like, you know, one person renting, you know, one of their three houses and, it, mm-hmm. you know, hurting their, their monthly income. So I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. I'm going to see, uh, I, I, somebody said to me, well, I guess you'll find out how, uh, how much of a soul this company actually has. And, uh, we'll, I guess we'll go from there, but, um, enough about me. Let me get this beer out of here. Uh, so I'm doing good, just a little tired, you know, move some stuff. Um, and you know, it was a hell of a long weekend. Then we jumped right back into work today and uh, had a very full schedule. In my glass today, I am drinking a beer from Anchorage Brewing Company. It's called Be Patient. It's a double India pale lager. Double India pale lager. Right. Wow. So it, the name <laughs> goes along with what you would prefer, Denny. Okay. Uh, it's uh, double dry hopped with strata and citra hops. Oh, nice. Wow. And, and uh, just like everything that they do... There's a pretty nice. cool label to go along yeah, with it. So yeah. sadly, though, this one can't be peeled off and mm. stuck to a magnet, which I'm a little upset about. But, you know. Well, you could always it, just cut the uh, can and then fold it out. I don't think it sticks to the magnet as well. Oh, okay. Face in the center here. You know what? I'm going to buy myself a new camera here soon, but anywho, um, but I'm really enjoying this. It's light. It's a, it's a little on the, you know, a little more of the double IPA mouthfeel, kind of a little heavier in the mouth, but it's got that crispiness to it. Like the lager does. And nice. then the, there's some nice citrus and melon flavors from the hops in there. Sweet. So very much enjoying that. Now, now that I'm done rambling on about my entire Life. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. How are you today, Denny? And, and what's in your glass? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm drinking a lager, mm-hmm. like you, but mine's not uh, double dry hopped. Mine's my old standby Payette Flyline Vienna nice. style lager. And I, I mentioned this on either our show or I think it was our, one of our episodes, and I couldn't remember the damn name of Flyline. Well, here it is. I saw it in the store. And I said, you know what? That's the beer I was trying to think of the name of. Mm. And I grabbed a six-pack. So I have three of these I'm going to be drinking in the, the short show we'll have tonight uh, and enjoy that. But I've been drinking some other stuff, too. I, I'll mention it on my new and noteworthy. One of the things I, I drank today in celebration of Memorial Day, we are recording on Memorial Day 2021. And it's a, Memorial Day is always a, a sombering, special day for me. I mean, sombering, but also special because I've mentioned it on the show before, but I'm named after my father, who was named after my... Uh, great his his uncle, uh, who died as a prisoner of war in uh, the Philippines in World War II. Mm. Uh, he was part of that thousand man march or thousand mi- whatever thousand man march. Uh, he caught uh, you know malaria or whatever and died uh, and was buried in a pit 
and and unfortunately, his body was never recovered. Of of one of the ones that were recovered, uh, all the bodies that were recovered, his was not. So we don't, uh, you know, we don't really have, uh, you know, have his remains. Uh, but he was able to pass on some of his uh, his belongings to another prisoner who, uh, amazingly enough, thirty years later, uh, found my grandfather and mailed him the package. Wow. of his stuff and it had a pocket watch in there it had his dog tags it had uh his insignias it had a flag you know a little mini zero flag that was folded up in there uh, i have that 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 box when my grandfather passed uh, i went to M- missouri and we we went i went we went through his stuff and gave away most of the stuff and i brought back all my I'm a big history buff, and I love knowing about family history. And so I, I just grabbed everything of my grandfather's um, military uh, stuff as well as my as the history stuff of our family, and I brought it back with me. And that was one of the things I found and was just blown away. My grandfather had told me about this, but I hadn't seen it until I, I went through and, and pulled it out of his stuff. And I'm so glad that I went and did that because if I wouldn't have gone, uh, that, that would have been lost forever. Because mm. uh, they would have just gone to uh, a donation site, and someone else would have either grabbed it or thrown stuff away. But I have it uh, as a keepsake, so yeah. So that's what that's how I'm doing. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, but hey, that's enough about us, right? Let's get on. Everyone wants to hear about beer, and we've we've got beer to talk about tonight. So before we get started, I always like to let anyone new to Tap to Craft podcast know what we're about. We are an educational podcast. We focus around celebrating all things craft beer because we want to assist you, our listeners, along in your craft beer journeys and adventures. And you listen to episode 179 recording on Monday, May 31st, 2021. And in this episode, we are going to dive into the history of barrel-aged beer. You know, I, we, we just got done talking about... Uh, you know, why IPA is so popular. We talked about black IPA. We, you know, did some, some hoppy stuff. Well, let's go all the way over on the opposite side and let's go to the dark barrel aged big beers and find out yeah. how they got started. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to share this with our listeners uh, because maybe you guys know some of the history. Maybe you don't know the history, but we're going to share that with you as well as Chris and I having some conversation along the way, which you already got to experience a little bit of that already. Now, this episode is brought to you in part by our satisfied Patreon supporters like Mike Allen and William Schlemmer, who are our virtual producers, and Tom Byrne, Jeff Seiler, Johan Halberg, Tara Carlson, Chad Lamassa, Mark Church, Matt Knight, and Kirk Tabor, who want to buy us a virtual beer. If you enjoy the content we provide, we invite you to support the show by toasting your host or buying us a virtual beer or even becoming a virtual producer. You can explore the options on our support page by visiting patreon.com slash tap the craft. All right. We don't really have any feedback or voicemails, but if you do want to leave voicemail, uh, we'd love to hear your voice. We get you on the show, answer your questions, just, or if you just want to say hi, go ahead and do that. You can do that easily by uh, calling, ah, here it is, 208-536-3359, <laughs> or if it's easier for you to remember, Two zero eight five three oddly. Now it's been a while. I realized that we haven't had a voicemail in a while, and I haven't been saying what the voicemail number is, even though it is in our show notes. You can find mm-hmm. it pretty easily. But I want to promote that because we do enjoy having these little snippets of 
of our listeners on the air uh, as well. So send your voicemails in and we'll put you on the air and we'll answer your questions or just, you know, chat with you. You want to do that number one more time, Denny? Yes. It's 208-536-3359 or 208-53-ODDLY with two Ds. Oddly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, oh, and if you want to send us feedback through other means, you can do that through email at tapthecraft.gmail.com or on Twitter or Instagram. Just follow us at tapthecraft. And, of course, Chris would love to interact with you on Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. And we do have a website. You can find it at tapthecraft.com. Everything's tapthecraft. We love that. Socials, tap the craft, yeah. website, yeah. all of it. It's all, all there. It. It's all there. All right, Chris, let's continue the conversation because now it's time to untap the craft and see what our listeners are drinking according to Untapped. So, guys, if remember, if you want to be mentioned on the show for our untapped uh geez, what is this thing called anymore? Uh, our <laughs> untapped the, the craft. craft. <laughs> yes, I know. That's okay. It is uh, it is a long here. weekend. And, Here we uh, go. Okay. And I do uh, like your new be... your new backdrop. That's very Thank nice. You. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. See, the green screen pays off in dividends. <laughs> it's very patriotic yeah. with beer along the way. Look, if you can if you can incorporate beer along with patriotism, mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Yeah. Um so if you guys want to be featured on our segment of Untapped the craft uh make sure you follow me on untapped at mck1345 and we'll be able to read check-ins like this from mike allen who's uh just leaving or just got home from a trip to reno nevada if i saw that correctly visiting his old stomping grounds and he checked into a double barrel iced barley wine Mm. double barreled iced barley wine wow well, he rated it four and a quarter caps. That's, okay. that's what I'm going to just read into. It's from Untitled Art. Oh. Um, four and a quarter caps rating for that. Um, he's checking into a lot of stuff. Um, come on, computer screen. You can do it. There we go. A lot of stuff in the uh, in the Reno area. And I think he just got home today. I can't remember specifically. But next check-in is going to be from my buddy Scott Cooper. Coop is drinking a Juicifer by Gnarly Barley Brewing at our bar. Coop currently in new orleans with his uh our mutual friend keith not um next on the list is going to be kevin page combining the two once again drinking an arcane aleworks beer out of a burial glass mm. he's drinking a sunny side by arcane aleworks uh the new king he says five oh. cat rating oh, for this. so this is his new favorite uh beer from arcane aleworks huh I guess I guess so. Um, moving on up the list. Screen is refreshing slow today. Thanks, Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, Eric Gronley is drinking a Haymaker IPA 2021 by Mankato Brewery. Four cap rating for that beer. Um, next on the list, there he is, Keith Knott. Now, granted, uh, they must be coming home. Granted, not a uh, great, wonderful, crazy, over-the-top beer. He gave it two and a half caps, completely average. Uh, it's Amber by Abita Brewing Company, but I never read his name on here, so I'm taking the taking the uh, initiative to read his name. And his buddy said Abita is terrible. <laughs> yep, local brew in the airport, just passing some time. So, yeah. Um, so he wanted to get, get the chance to read his name. Uh, Brian G is drinking a Boss Tweed by Old Nation Brewing. Mm. 
uh, four and a quarter caps for that one. No notes to go along with it. Sarah Zawadzki is drinking a Bringing Sexy Back by mm. Aslan Beer Company, which I had the double version of that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah, uh, actually, we posted a picture of it on our on our Facebook page and Instagram. Uh, Sarah, uh, old high school alumni of mine, um, four and a half caps for that India Pale Ale from Aslan. Um, let's see, scrolling all up, Kyle Lilly, no notes, no rating, but he's drinking a Lakeshore Fog by Southern Tier. Uh, Southern Tier's one that I haven't been seeing a whole lot of lately. Yeah, either. me neither. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot either. So I don't know. Southern tier. I mean, I know we, we end up, you know, trying a pumpkin every once in a while, but you guys drinking Southern or Southern tier anymore? I, you know, I haven't seen it. So I'm not sure if it's coming out here anymore. Mm. I didn't even see the pumpkin this last year. Oh, I did, but oops. Um, I haven't been seeing it a whole lot. So I, I do see like the multi pack and, you know, like my local total wine or ABC or whatever's out here. Um, so I don't know. Um, next on the list is Denny's check-in, but I'm going to. Uh, we'll save it for new and early. Yeah, it's a new and yeah. beer. So I'll I'll let you uh, take that over when we get there. Uh, Brian G is drinking a Ferrari backpack by Toppling Goliath. Oh, that's a cool name. Wow, really tasty is what he said. Four and a half caps for that beer. Continuing his check-in streak for the. 3,433rd show in a row. Chad LaMassa is drinking a Pinkies Up by Tripping Animals right down here in Florida. And he said, love the can art. Lots of peach and guava, mm-hmm. guava, subtle passion fruit. The description says brown sugar. I can't find it, but whatever. Mm-hmm. This is still a great beer. Uh, four and a quarter caps for that beer. And what, he's right. What style was it again? Uh, Pinkies Up is going to be a fruited sour fruited sour but he's right the the label is pretty cool mm. uh if i can get that to pop up let's see what chad is drinking um oh my gosh yeah, yeah that, that is, that's pretty cool <laughs> i like it i like it too that's funny <laughs> yeah, pinky's up oh and tripping animals denny those are the guys that did that uh that yeah, cat dog the cat beer. dog one yeah i have this yeah. labels right here on my shelf Oh, come on. So that's, is that all they do is, is like sour beers or? Uh, I don't know. I mean, so I've do never they do an IPA? Do they, do they barrel aged out or anything? That's a great question. <laughs> you know who would be a great person to ask for that? I think Dan Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or, or Charlie. Or Davis. Joel Bigham. Yeah. I mean, we, we could ask them both. So, yeah. um, let's see. Next on our list is going to be Tara Carlson. Oh, Tara. Uh, she is drinking a thirst monster by union craft brewing. And, uh, she writes rain is finally ended. So porch drinking to celebrate. Oh, union, yeah. Union uh. does all right. And Jim, Jim K doesn't like Kolsch. So I have the whole six pack what? to myself. Oh my gosh, Jim. I thought we could be How friends. How can you Jim, not like Kolsch? Not. My gosh, it's a great right. style. Oh, you shocked me there. I thought for sure uh, that would be. But uh, hey, I'm glad. T- I'm glad Tara is. A, is a, you know? At least she's going to help you, right? I mean, she's not just you know leaving you out in the cold and going. Oh, well, you spent ten, twelve bucks on this <laughs> uh, on this Kolsch that I guess you're just going to have to. You know. Oh wow! I I just had a couple Kolsches and man, 
I love Kolsch. I love that style. Oh, me too. It is. I, I definitely. It's just refreshing do. and and just really good. And I had I had one. Uh, I think I yeah. I think I'll talk about it on my new Norworthy actually. One of them. Okay. Oh, good. Wow. Yeah. And if I could make my computer work right today, uh, you know, I'd probably get into this a little further. But uh, <laughs> is it broken? You know, it's all broken. No. No. Come on. Here we go. That's what I wanted to happen because I wanted to read this next one. Ugh, I clicked in the wrong spot. Oh my again. gosh! Come on, Internet. Jeff Seiler is drinking a heady topper by mm. the Alchemist. My check-in number one thousand. Just had to have something special. Wow! This congratulations. Beer is fresh, fresh as of five ten of this year, and simply amazing. One of the best I've ever had. Cheers. Now on to two thousand five cap rating for that beer. And like you mentioned the other day, Denny, um, you know the, the listeners kind of people who didn't even know each other before, yeah. you know, before tap the craft or are chatting back and forth. Eric Gronley commented on his check-in nicely done. That's a bucket list beer for me too. Awesome beer for that milestone. So it is, it is an awesome beer. It's, it's Hetty Topper is one of those beers that actually lived up to the hype for me. That's good. I, I actually, uh, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to enjoy it. So that's hmm. good. Um, let's see, moving on up. That was me checking into something. John WC is drinking a Nemesis 2021 by Founders Brewing Company. Syrupy and sticky caramel toffee malts with nice sweet booze and fig raisin and plenty of piney resinous hops at the end. Four, it looks like four caps uh, for that beer. Founders is getting some love. That's always good. And, Mm -hmm. uh, Art Warcheck is drinking a Big Blue by Treehouse Brewing Company at his favorite check-in, the North Phil Harmstead. Four and a quarter caps for that beer, and he's just simply said, Happy Memorial Day. Happy and Memorial that Day. is what everybody is drinking. Wow. That's a lot of variety and some, uh, you know, bucket list beers uh, mm-hmm. on there as well. So that's good. That's good. Wow, yeah. I uh, I, I could use some more Heady Topper. I think I need to go make a trip to the uh, New England area, visit yeah. uh, Jim and Tara, drive up north to Maine, stop in a few breweries on the way. <laughs> Watch you get up there and be like, yeah, we're all out. Yeah, we're out of beer. Sorry. Go home. Mm. So, yeah. all right. Well, good. So um, I-, I wanted to uh, shout out uh, Steve Korsman. I-, I-, I didn't. He mentioned in here, uh, who's that dashing young-looking guy? Well, that's me. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching the video, you might notice I look a little bit different than normal. I shaved my beard off for the summer uh, last Monday, so a week ago. And uh, I, I got done moving my daughter. In fact, uh, we didn't talk about this on our show. We talked about it on the Fermented Reality Show. But, yeah, last weekend I took Friday, mon- sa- Friday Saturday, Sunday, and Monday off. And my daughter purchased her first home and she needed help moving so wife and i sarah drove friday morning and we moved and got it all set up in her new place and uh, it's exciting my little girl is growing up and now Mm. she's a homeowner and that means that dad just has twice as much home projects to do than he did (laughs) without that but but uh, yeah so i got done moving and i was just like i just felt like it was hot. I was it, actually on Friday. It was rain, so it was pouring down rain. So my beard was like soaked in water, and then Saturday it was hot, and I 
just felt like, you know what? Summertime's here. I'm going to shave this thing off, have a nice, cool, refreshed face uh, to have that, that breeze on it and get some sun and, and you know, make it, you know, you just enjoy the, the beardless life. And then, of course, I shave it, and then for two days, it was, like, freezing cold. And I'm like, and, you know, wind is blowing, rain. It, it dropped, like, 30 degrees. And I'm like, holy smokes. I shaved the beard off, and, and you know, it's like the apocalypse is happening, and it's going cold. It's like the Arctic uh, freeze going on. But then it got warm mm. again, and it's supposed to be, like, 97 this week in Boise. So it's getting warm again. Did you say 97? Yeah, that's what Sarah said. It's supposed to be no, oh, 97. Yeah. You might as well just come on down to Florida. Yeah, yeah, that's that time. And also, mm-hmm. just want to say cheers to you, Matt Helmer, Mister Devious, Mister Matt. Uh, I don't know if he's just said it on our chat or if he's actually watching. But hey, cheers to you and happy Memorial Day as well. All right. Well, hey, we're moving right along, and it's time for the Brew Buzz. And the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics. And this week, we're going to discuss the history of barrel-aged beer, and. This is something that uh, has interested me for a while, and I had it on my to-do list of things. This is not one of the ones that our listeners asked for, because we've been going through last, like, six shows or so. We've been doing stuff Mm. that listeners have wanted. But this is one that I had on my list that I want to talk about, and I just thought, let's talk about it. Let's let's mix it up a little bit, get out of the IPA, get into something a little bit different. And maybe something that a lot of people don't know, uh, you know, how this whole barrel-aged um, you know, beer thing started. And so I've, I've, I took um, this information as intertwined bits and pieces here and there from three different articles. Uh, the first one is the definition of barrel-aged beer from Hop Culture website. Uh, this is written by Kenny Gould. Uh, I also took uh, from an article from uh, the Gear Patrol website uh, by Ryan Brower. It's how bourbon barrel-aged stouts came to dominate the craft beer world. And this is an older article uh, going back into about 2013. But it still holds true, a lot of the stuff in here. And then the last one was from, uh, it's called Brews and Barrels, a story of barrel-aged beer. And this is off of the Anchor Brewing website. And, uh, and Anchor Brewing, if you haven't gone to their website, they have a lot of history, like beer history on their website that they talk, they do some articles in there. And I really enjoy pulling some information because sometimes you can get some stuff you yet you didn't know or didn't get from other other resources from there. And then those are three articles. I'll have those links in the show notes. So just if you want to read more in depth about the all these articles, you can do that. So let's get started. And uh, Chris, I'll start it off and I'll just pass the, the baton to you here after a, a few paragraphs. All righty. All right. So starting in 300 B.C., the Greeks and Romans started to age their wine in wooden barrels instead of animal skins. A few hundred years later, European brewers discovered that wooden barrels made sturdier vessels for shipping beer than wineskins and could more easily be rolled around. Uh, can be rolled around. So, yeah, I mean, you can't roll a wineskin. You got to haul that mm. thing on your back. Mm. Uh, and it's kind of probably clumsy, too. But barrels, you just roll those suckers right onto a boat. That makes it real easy. Or a wagon. Um, and oak was the popular choice for making these barrels. Eventually, barrels proved useful not only for storage, but for, for mellowing the effects of warm flavors they imparted to whatever they held. In 1783, Evan Williams opened a distillery in Kentucky and used wood to age his bourbon. According to legend, he made the stuff in Kentucky and shipped it down the Ohio and Mississippi to New Orleans, where he realized that it tasted better. 
Thus, moonshine became bourbon. The whiskey came from Kentucky's Bourbon County. Wood has played an important role in the brewing industry for centuries. For hundreds of years, beer was fermented in wood, aged in wood, shipped in wood, and served from wood. The wood ceases to provide anything to the product except maybe bacterial infection after the initial use, and beer barrels were extensively reused. Wood is porous and notoriously difficult to clean. Beer shipped in wood has to be either consumed in short order or preserved by heavy hop rates, high alcohol content, or both. A sort of preservation could be achieved by shipping beer that was still actively fermenting or cask conditioning, an an inexact mythology that depended heavily on the skills of the publican at the serving end. In any event, the use of wood in brewing was enthusiastically abandoned with the advent of metal kegs, fermenters, storage tanks, and for the most part, wait, (laughs) for the most part, that is. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, that was, uh, ah, okay, so that's just getting started with kind of how barrels came about, uh, and then a little history in the fact that, hey, barrels are used for everything for beer, but it wasn't the optimum material if you didn't want to risk having infections and, and if things weren't cleaned right or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong when they're stored in wood. So when metal kegs came about and, and, and you know, storage tanks, kegs, uh, you know, everything, fermenters, um, that took away a lot of that bacterial um, issue. So they kind of said, screw the, screw the barrels, let's go to metal. Sure. Now we're going to start to get into the reemergence of applying beer to wood and the effect it has on craft beer. So Chris, why don't you go ahead and continue on? Okay. In 1992, Greg Hall was eager Goose Island's brewmaster was seated for dinner at LaSalle's in South Bend, Indiana, with industry representatives from prominent cigar, bourbon, and beer outfits listening to a man with a heavy Kentucky accent wax poetic on the magic of liquid sloshing around charred oak barrels. Hall loosened up. That was it. (laughs) On the eve of brewing, Goose Island's 1,000th batch of beer hall had wanted to make something special two years early earlier his contemporary and friendly rival brewer larry bell of bell's brewery had done this bell's batch 1000 ale a head turning hard to get strong ale and he wanted to do his own spin on celebrating his 1000th batch it was at that dinner hall decided his bombshell beer would be a bourbon barrel aged stout the only problem was that didn't exist yet well, not really anyway. Oh, so it was competition that spawned yeah, all of this. Yeah, you one-upmanship. That would be all right. better. All right. The man with the Kentucky lilt? Yeah, <laughs> the man with the Kentucky lilt was Booker No, Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Famer, then master distiller of Jim Beam Distillery, and the grandson of the Jim Beam and the beer which he called Bourbon County Stout, changed beer forever. Goose Island's Bourbon County Stout, which ferments in stainless steel vessels and ages for 100 days in Jim Beam bourbon barrels, remains one of the most sought-after barrel-aged beers today. Yeah. The earliest Bourbon County Stouts were not like the Bourbon County Stouts of today. 
save the basics. They're rich, dark stouts with sweet chocolate notes and a hint of bourbon bite. In 1995, Hall decided to enter the earliest versions into the Great American Beer Festival. American craft beer was still in its infancy, and new styles were not accepted so easily. Today's hazy IPAs would never have seen the light of day back then. (laughs) In the mid-90s, standard brewing practice was replicating and sticking to the tradition of old-world European styles. Yeah, yeah, and this that's a key, right? Because it was still in its infancy, and that's, I mean, basically in 92-ish, 92, 93-ish is when I first started getting into craft beer. And yeah, I've mentioned it many times, is that we just didn't have the variety, right? There's a few breweries, right. and especially, I was lucky enough to be in Oregon and Washington State, you know, that's where, and so that's where a lot of this craft beer revolution occurred, you know, Northern California up to, to Washington. And so I got to participate early on in, in some, uh, in some beer, but, but yeah, I could see that, that, that definitely, uh, it could be a problem bringing new styles or different things that weren't traditional European type styles, mm-hmm. you know, into, into the craft beer scene, it would be looked, you know, bad upon. So, well, I mean, look what happens today. The same thing happens today when, you know, they mm-hmm. introduce those, those new styles, right. Um, you know, what's, what's one of the most recent things. I mean, well, the hazy IPA is probably one of the most yeah, notable, yeah, but yeah. you know, trend in the beer world. Yeah. All the hazy but, um, stuff, the pastry stouts, the, mm-hmm. um, the barrel aged stuff. Oh, now, now we're, now we're into the, uh, the slushy, like the slushy, slushy beers, beer, yeah. the smoothie beers, um, and the, the fruited, you know, the heavily mm-hmm. fruited sours, you know, and so I just drank one with dinner. It was, uh, from untitled art. It was that, <laughs> that peach a la mode sour, which mm-hmm. you get to the first half mm-hmm. of the can and it's, you know, it's, it's still good. It is actually really good. I do like that beer. And then the rest of it, it's fruit, fruit puree coming out of the bottom of the can. Yeah. So, gotta, yeah you gotta, you gotta pour a little bit, mix yeah, it. And then pour the rest. Yeah. Like yeah. blue moon. Remember, remember <laughs> yeah. blue moon. We're so fancy. You crack that open, you pour a little bit, swirl it around and then get the rest of yeah. it in there. Yeah. That, 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 so that, that, that was done with all the, the imported beers, right? Mm-hmm. Like like the whip beers and stuff, the Belgian yep. stuff. You'd always uh, pour a little bit in, and the German, like the German hefts too. You, yeah. you you swirl it around and pour the rest in to get that that flavor. So yeah, yeah, that was which I did like though. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me. I'll continue on here for a couple paragraphs. Okay. So because Bourbon County brand stout did not fit in any style category, it was disqualified by the judges. But two things happened that convinced Hall he was onto something. First, there were hordes of other brewers waiting in line for the BB for the Bourbon Barrel County Stout, and Goose Island poured every drop of it. As Hall recalls, the positive feedback from brewers at the Great American Beer Fest was immense. Brewers like Garrett Oliver from Brooklyn Brewery, John Harris from Ecliptic Brewing, which was at that time he was part of Full Sail, and mm. others convinced him Bourbon County was indeed special. It's worth noting that while Hall may be credited with the proliferation of the bourbon barrel-aged stout, it was Jim Cook of Sam Adams that first put dark beer into spirit barrels stateside. The beer was called Triple Bock, and there's about 1% of the original gravity stuff in Sam Adams' Utopias. So this is a beer that was, uh, you know, that, that, that soon became Utopias, um, which, as everyone knows, is a is a very sought after uh, experience. Now, 
it's interesting. Somewhere in my, I, I have a bottle of, I had this triple Bach. I have a bottle somewhere. Uh, and I thought it, it was right here in front of me when I first set this up, but now mm-hmm. I'm having trouble <clears throat> finding it. Um, but I have a, I actually have a bottle of this triple Bach um, okay. beer from Matt Helmer said uh, Blue Moon was fancy because of the orange, the slice. orange slice. Yeah, I everyone wanted that orange slice. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean I can't fault him for that. That's <laughs> that's so very true. Yeah, it was all that fancy that fo- fancy orange slice. Yeah, nice. All right, so uh, in his uh, 2016 memoir, memoir, mem mem memoir, memoir, memoir. memoir. <laughs> It's French. I'm not very good at French. Uh, It's called Quench Your Own Thirst. Cook recalls getting the idea for his first barrel-aged beer by looking at planters made from cut-in-half bourbon barrels. I don't know how you get an idea of seeing a a barrel filled with, you know, plant soils and plants as putting a beer in there. But, uh, hey, it's okay. Maybe he saw the, uh, you know, he saw the the, the charring on the inside. And he thought, ooh, I wonder if that would add some good character to a Bach. Well, maybe, maybe. All right, so after that 1995 Great American Beer Festival, other American brewers, particularly those in the Midwest, took note. Founders Brewing debuted their Kentucky bourbon stout for the first time on draft in 2002. Two years later, the high ABV bourbon barrel-aged stout would become the number two rated beer in the world on Beer Advocate. In 2004, Munster, Indiana's Three Floyds released Dark Lord, a Russian imperial, a Russian style imperial stout brewed with Mexican vanilla, vanilla beans, Indian sugar, and coffee, to huge fanfare. The brewery released it on what was called Dark Lord Day in 2005, an event made waiting in line for a beer release. <laughs> I'm having trouble tonight. An event that made waiting in line for a beer release and a single-day beer festival became the norms. Um, I'll go ahead and read one more here. I'll let you continue on. Okay. So why bourbon barrels? And and I don't know if this is true or not, but it says, To protect American cooperage, the which is the making of barrels, we have a law that prevents distillers from using bourbon barrels more than once. As a result... Used barrels are readily available. They also happen to be chock full of interesting compounds. Lactones yield floral aromas. Phenolic acetaldehydes provide vanilla. And simple sugars impart caramel. So, I, I mean, I know that bourbon is only, you know, barrels only used once in the making of bourbon. I know that's special, but I, I didn't realize that there's like real laws that, I mean, what happens if you put a, make a bourbon with a barrel a second time, you get thrown in jail. Is that you're going to prison? Yeah, is that, you, I mean, that's, going that's harsh. I don't know. I don't know how true that law is, or if it's just an understood uh, thing where you only use a barrel once to get that, that rich character you want. And then you pass it on and, and you, you need to have that, that one time use to get the real flavors. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone that's in the know will, uh, will know that better, but that's, uh, that's, we'll, that's why we'll probably... bourbon barrel, because, if you can only use it once, they got to get rid of them. So they have an abundance of them. And that makes it easy at that time. It made it easy for breweries to pick up these barrels that weren't being used uh, to put beer in. All right, Chris, what, you want to say something? No, I was going to say, you know, it's we're either going to get a text from uh, from John in yeah. you know, a couple of days. <laughs> and he'll go, here's the skinny on what's going on with this. Like, if we do it, you get fined a you know, million dollars or something. Yeah, yeah. 
That's true. Um, the flavors that develop within a bourbon barrel throughout the long process of selecting wood, building, and charring the barrel combined with the even longer spirit aging process creates a perfect, a perfect medium for flavor development in beer. Those flavors pair so perfectly and effortlessly with well-made stouts. It's like a match made in heaven, states Matt Brindlinson of Firestone Walker. Nailed that one. Uh, Not every beer does well in bourbon barrels, though. Typically, the best candidates have a high alcohol percentage and strong flavors that won't get overshadowed by the wood. Think porters, stouts, and barley wines. Now, Barrel aging should not be confused with cask conditioning in the classic sense. Whiskey barrels are not designed to hold a pressurized product and cannot be used for fermenting, which produces CO2, unless they are vented. Mostly, with a few exceptions, today's process is really just a flavoring procedure in which a fully fermented and finished beer is held in a used barrel for a period of time. Often, the brewer, will, the brewer will simply barrel age one of their standard products. Other times, a blend of several beers will be barreled. Sometimes a special brew will be designed to take advantage of the possible flavor combinations. In all cases, the end product must be recarbonated and is usually blended with a significant volume of unbarreled beer prior to sale. The length of time the beer remains in the barrel can be as little as a week or two, or can be as long as a few months to a year. It just depends on the brewer, the type of barrel, and the intended result. Due to the extra time and expense involved, barrel-aged beers are typically sold at a premium and are usually in short supply. Yeah, so a few things mentioned that I think are key here, right? You can't ferment the beer in the barrel because it just can't handle the CO2 generation. I mean, you, you probably could, but you'd need to ventilate it so it doesn't, uh, you know, have issues. But as we already read earlier, when Goose Island first started making their barrel-aged beer, they did all the fermentation in the steel tanks, then transferred to the barrel to age it for 100 days. And then as we just read now, you have to then transfer it back into a container to pressurize it, recarb- you know, carbonate it, and then... Uh, and then either serve it as is or blend it. Now, I don't know if Goose Island was doing blending on their first batch of barrel-aged beer. I'm thinking that 100 days in a bourbon barrel is going to have a strong bourbon barrel character, right? Oh, sure. It only takes, a, like, some of the, some of the beers I've had with, that have been barrel-aged, that, like, for homebrewers, um, I find that, that, you know, they they tend to to go a little bit longer by like going five days, and it right. was like too much, right? Even five yeah. days or a week. Um, so it, don't, it doesn't take long to to get that character in there. And so the other thing they mentioned in this last par- or the paragraph before the last one is is that you take that barrel age, you get to you get it to a flavor you want, then you blend it back with the original beer in some percentage. And then you have that nice balance of the bourbon character, the vanillas, the sugar, you know, the, the burnt yeah. caramel flavors. And you blend that in and now it's mixed and it's, it's, it's a well-balanced. It's not overpowering with that bourbon. And that's the mistake I see a lot of breweries that, especially 10 years ago, they were 
like releasing it without doing a good blending and it was just too much bourbon right so much barrel yeah and and so much barrel and so much character it took took away from the actual beer flavor nowadays i think craft brewers are doing such a great job of realizing that hey we don't we want to have a beer that tastes like beer but we want to have these characters in the background that gives you that extra Mm -hmm. kick to it and so that's why I think they're doing so much better barrel-aged stuff nowadays than they were, you know, 10 years ago, or even five years ago, to be honest with you. I think, as we mentioned in the article, Goose Island does a fantastic job. I, I don't think they're overpowering with the spirits. Firestone Walker, an incredible job of blending their yeah. beers. I've never had a Firestone Walker beer, one of their big-end beers, that was overpowering in in barrel character or, or spirit character. Um, one that I think over like early on, they may have changed it up now, but early on Anderson Valley, um, their barrel oh, yeah. age stuff was way too strong. Like their, yeah. uh, um, wild Turkey one that they, they mm-hmm. did, man, yeah, I couldn't, was... I couldn't drink it. It was so strong, right? It just overpowered you. Um, there's nothing but booze and barrel. Yeah. That I remember that one. Yeah. It was almost like, uh, I almost remember it thinking it was like a malt beverage just because it was so just boom. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was hot. It was hot and it was hard to drink. Right. Cause, cause not only do you have the, it's, it's something that you could sip, but it's not, Mm -hmm. but you don't want it to get too warm because it's still beer. And so when you get that beer warm, it's still got that, that heavier consistency. It's almost like drinking Mm -hmm. Southern comfort, but amped up like to 80 proof instead of 40 proof. Right. (laughs) I mean, it's like like an amped up uh, syrupy mess, and that's where you, it just gets a little bit messy. You can't you, you can sip on a beer until it gets to a certain temperature, but you can't you know you can't sip on it like you could a good bourbon, where yeah. you just take a nice little swig and every so often and it just warms your body and you're not you're not gulping it right. You're just it's a little bit different. Well, I mean, I still do that even with kind of uh, I guess bigger barrel aged beers now. Um, so I, I almost pulled out a bottle of beer from Cigar City's El Catador mm-hmm. Club, which they're putting, again, I've talked about this before, they're putting them in 500 milliliter bottles, which is mm. so much better now instead of the, you know, 750 milliliter or the 22 or 24 ounce bottles. Yeah. Because the 24 ounce bottles, not only did you have to struggle to get it down, I would keep like a like a pitcher of ice water, you just, know, like if you if you were to get like champagne or something yeah, at the restaurant, it you put there. it in the yeah. <laughs> so that's what I do now. And I was like, oh, am I going to have to throw some like ice water in my cooler here and then make sure it stays cool? But yeah. I don't know. It uh, it definitely it definitely helps when you can keep the bottle cool and then you know pour yourself some and even like what I'm at now, even with this beer, if you poured you know this much into it and it was enough there where you could warm it up Mm -hmm. just enough but it was still cool that you weren't like you said getting that that big syrupy body and you know big booze and you know it's almost like chocolate syrup at some points when they get too big yeah yeah no no yeah definitely cigar city makes some big beers like that i still have one bambura is that the uh yeah i still have one can of that left wow you still have yeah because i loved it i bought i bought a couple of four packs and I've been drinking drinking them every so often. Uh, I have one left, and even aging it, it's still a big beer in a yeah. twelve ounce can. It's still a big beer and, and heavy, and you, and if it warms up too much, it's, it becomes a little bit too. Same thing you're talking about, right? So it's a little bit too hard to drink. 
but man, that is a good beer. They do they do yeah. some some good big beers. Yeah, they certainly do. All right, Chris. Anything else with barrel aged? Um, I, I I don't have it in here, but you can find. I mean, they mentioned that the best beers are dark beers, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Beers that 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 have a a big backbone to it that can take take on that barrel aging without overpowering the beer. But I've seen, I mean, gosh, I've seen barrel aged IPAs. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think I even had one. If I look at my untapped, I could probably pull out one I had. And I thought, well, it's a gimmick. Let me try it. It's a gimmick. Barrel aged IPAs are not good. It it's just not good. So uh, there's some beers that just don't work. Uh, I, I've even seen, uh, I haven't had one, but I saw that someone did a barrel-aged cream ale. Uh, again, cream ale is, doesn't have the base to support it, right? You're gonna, it's, I mean, maybe it's great. Maybe they can do it in a way that can mellow out the those characters. But uh, again, it's not anything light is going to be harder to accept. Now, barrel-aged, um, like Belgian ales are good. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Barrel-aged... I'm trying to think of another one. I just had one in my head that I, um, oh, like barrel aged saisons. Um, I've had I've had barrel aged saisons in uh, wine barrels, um, and they work out really well because that saison character, that's that that uh, herbiness, uh, you know, the, the herbal mm-hmm. notes and stuff, and and the, the everything goes well with it if it's not too much. But it has to be the right wine. It can't be a red wine. It has to be like a a re, you know. Not really reasoning, but something lighter, uh, you know, not a Chardonnay, that'd be too strong, but a, you know, Pinot Gris or something that's maybe a little bit lighter in, in character, doesn't overwhelm it. Um, I've I've actually had some barrel-aged Saisons that were really good. Um, so so keep in mind that there can be some other styles um, that might work well with barrel-aged, but pretty much most of them are going to be the darker uh, style uh, beers. Have you had any strange ones? <clears throat> Um, I think I've had a barrel aged IPA, yeah. but I don't know. It's some, and like you said, I, I, it's sticking in my head for some reason, but it definitely was, it was just kind of a gimmicky yeah, thing. It was horrible. Um, I, I, I need yeah. to look it up now. Maybe when I'm doing my untapped thing, when you're doing your untapped, I'll look it up and see if I can yeah. find a barrel aged but IPA. It, but yeah, I mean, there's, it does, it has to have not only the kind of the, the body but also the the notes to kind of back it up too because we're talking about sugar and vanilla Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and oak oak's a little on the earthy side so it's not necessarily sweet but um you know you're talking about some sweet flavors that you know there's plenty of sugar in bourbon um or whatever whatever spirit they're going to be uh aging these these beers in so you would want something that's going to be a little more more savory or roasty or maybe a little bit bitter. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of balance out the sweet and the bitter or the sweet and the savory with um, whatever it is you're putting in the barrel. Yeah. I think I've had, um, I think I've had some barrel aged lagers in uh, tequila barrels, mm-hmm. which is unique because again, te- I think tequila. Now we, we haven't mentioned, we mentioned mainly bourbon, right? That's what the first mm-hmm. barrels were, but you can find barrel aged beers that, are not even in a spirit, right? They they'll use a uh, they can even do barrel aged in a non spirited barrel that just has That's like just a white, regular barrel, yeah, a regular barrel like a white oak barrel, um, and, and give off some character that that is doesn't include the spirits, just gives off the the. Now those 
tend to be a little bit more earthy, as Chris pointed out with, a, uh, you know, in, in my, you know, when I have just plain like white oak or French oak like barrel, uh, to me, it, it tastes like I'm, I'm drinking a, a pencil, right? Like gold yeah. graphite pencil. Like I stuck it in my mouth as a kid and you get that flavor. That's what it tastes like to me. And I don't, <laughs> I don't like that as much, but I do enjoy the tequila barrel has been very mm-hmm. un- unique. Um, if you can get a port barrel, man, those, the port barrels are really, uh, unique flavors that add into a, a beer. So, um, I, I love port anyway. And then just having mm-hmm. those deep, rich flavors coming out in, into a beer is really nice. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, doing like rye whiskey barrels, uh, mm-hmm. of course the bourbon rum. barrels, rum barrels. We saw yeah. a lot of <clears throat> pumpkin beers, which again, the right barrel with the right beer, have a pumpkin ale. It's, it's going to be a lighter ale with pumpkin mm-hmm. spices in there. Add that in with a rum character. It works perfect because the rum with the spices is a spiced rum and it really enhances the beer. So there's a lot of different style of barrels and a lot of different beers you can do with the right combination. Just Keep out there and look, and I'll tell you, I honestly prefer, prefer whiskey barrels over bourbon barrels. Yeah. Uh, I think the whiskey, I don't know what it is about the whiskey. It's not as strong, and it, and, the, and I just like that, that character. And if it's a rye whiskey, I think it's, I like it even more because that, I like that, that rye character, Spicy. the spiciness yeah. that adds to it, and, and I really enjoy those. Um, um, Boulevard, yeah, Boulevard Brewing. Uh, they do their rye on rye and their rye on rye mm-hmm. on rye. And those beers are, are, you know, some of them, like the rye on rye on rye was way too strong. I was like a, I don't know, 18, 21%, maybe been 21% beer. Um, I only had like, like a, like a one ounce of it. And it was mm. almost too much for me to drink one ounce of that beer. So wow. it's, it's super strong. Now that's going over the top, but if you just have a, it on rye or maybe even double rye, that's a, that's a good beer. So try the Boulevard ones. Just don't go for the triple rye. Well, I was I was also kind of flipping through my, uh, you know, I just typed in barrel aged mm-hmm. in my check ins, and and one stood out real fast was a uh, rum barrel aged. Well, it was called Zombie, but it was from Corporate Ladder. It was oh. a fruited sour. Oh. So they had done um, a barrel aged series based off of like some tiki drinks, and. I don't remember what, what a zombie is, but when I said it, I said it to somebody and they were like, Oh, that's really great. Like it's a fruity drink, but it kicks you on your butt. Um, so that one is, is one that stands out as something that's like, Oh, a barrel aged, like a rum barrel aged fruited sour. And you get that kind of tiki beach drink, Yeah, which uh, I gave that beer a five cap rating. So there you go. Um, and there was a couple of them that they did, uh, that they did kind of like that as well, but like Scotch barrel aged Imperial Brown from Freem Family. Mm. Uh, that was a, a brown ale, which was I gave that one four and a half caps. Um, I mean, there's it's really cool if you can go through, like you said, Denny, go through your Untapped and take a look and see what extra ones might be there. Mm-hmm. Most of them are all you know bourbon barrels, yeah. Imperial stouts, and you know stuff like that, or you know, Imperial porters or, mm-hmm. or things like that. But yeah. I think I'll do the same thing when you're reading off your name. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and then we'll just kind of, uh, we'll see what inter- interesting ones come up that, that we might share with our listeners. All right. So let's get into our new noteworthy, Chris. I said it was going to be a short show. We're coming up on an hour. Yeah. If we can get done in an hour and 15, that's a short show. So, uh, mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah. 
No, I'll go ahead and uh, jump in. So I, I'm going to talk about a brewery that I haven't talked about in a long time, Lagunitas. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and I, I grabbed this beer the other day while I was watching the Lightning uh, win game six of uh, the first round of the Stanley oh. Cup playoffs. The Waldo Special Ale <laughs> from this year. Um, clocking in at around, I don't know, something dumb, like 14% or 11% or something. It's a triple IPA. And uh, admittedly, I rated it a 4.25 as far as uh, untapped ratings go. Um, I've, I've had this beer, the the other versions over the past couple of years. I haven't had it in a couple of years, but um, I remember trying it before and, you know, enjoying it. Tried it again and, man, it was, it was good. Again, another beer that probably the environment helped with. <laughs> so we were watching, like I said, we were at the, the Fermented Reality Beer Garden watching the... Uh, watching the lightning play and uh, got to enjoy that beer. The next one I want to talk about is a local beer uh, from Tampa Bay Brewing Company. It's their double coast lager with lime. I gave this beer a four cap rating, um, but this is uh, one of those beers. I think, I think I was taught, we were talking to Joel about this one where they, where they're, you know, brewing this beer because they're zesting like, bushels of limes yeah. to go yeah in we did beer. talk and, about and that if, yeah and if that is zest man oh my gosh it definitely shows this is a a perfect beach pool beer boat beer um it's a really fresh very real lime flavor that goes along with it uh, a night nice light crispy lager that goes along with it i gave it a four cap rating and i've had this i think three separate occasions um finally just checked it in i don't know why but uh i this is a beer that i've had three and four of whether it's on mm. draft or i don't know if i can get it in cans so i've had it all on draft but I, i've i've had probably six or seven pints of this uh since this year uh really really good beer like i said nice and light good lime flavor to it easy to sit and kind of just drink at the at the pool or by the by the beach or on a boat or something and then the last one I want to talk about is from Lupulin Brewing. And I'm going to botch this name. Citridiculous. Uh, there we go. Citridiculous <laughs> was, uh, was uh, I believe, a double IPA. Uh, but I rated it a four and a half cap rating for this beer. Um, and, you know, there's Denny, I'm sure you've had beers like like this one I, I had. I took a sip of it and I just went, oh, this is. <laughs> I have to have another one. Oh, wow. Like this is really good. Like it doesn't have maybe that, any of that hot burn Mm -hmm. or it doesn't have any of the, you know, where it's too bitter or it's too sweet or it's too this or too that. It was just, just really good, nice and balanced, nice and hoppy, but some fruit, uh, some fruitiness came out from the hops. Eric Gronley said, I nailed it on Sitch Ridiculous. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Um, Cause they come up with some fun names in their, in their beers. Uh, but I did really enjoy that one. I picked that one up from Tavor uh, on my last shipment, and I'm really glad I did. I'm really glad I did. All right, Denny, you are up, sir. What about some of your new and noteworthy beers? All right, so I'm going through my different uh, beers here for Barrel Age. I have a lot. Um, yeah. And I did find – I found – a. Uh, I found, now I can't find it. I found a, a Belgian IPA-ish 
one that wasn't good. Uh, but I saw that there's a lot of of saisons that I've had with mm. uh, in barrels and a lot of strong ales. So another one, a, mm-hmm. a strong ale is a good one, whether oh, it's yeah. American strong ale or if it's Belgian strong ale, like a dark strong ale and stuff. I've had a, a few of those in here. And barley wines, of course. Uh, yep. I tell you what, I love a good barrel-aged barley wine. And Tom Byrne, if you're listening, which I know you are, remember you were going to bring by some barrel-aged <laughs> barley wine? Yeah? Just in case you just forgot. Just in case you forgot. Uh, yeah, just a reminder. Um, um, but, yeah, there's so many different ones. I didn't find – I haven't found yet the one, the IPA, and it may not have – I just did a search for barrel-aged, so – yeah. It may not show up just with that that uh, search, but I'm all. Oh, I found it! I found it! Oh, you found one? It's called Doom. It's from Founders Brewing Company. It was a double IPA. That's that's the one I think um, I had too. I think you're yeah. right. And it was it was like they did did a series called like their Wood Age series. Yeah. But Doom, this is the notes they put on Untapped. Doom may be an in- impending, but that doesn't mean you have to fear it. A collision of worlds that in. The, uh, a collision of worlds, the intense hop character of our Imperial Imperial IPA mingles with the warm vanilla and oak notes imparted from time spent in our favorite bourbon barrels. Like all good things, doom comes to those who wait. <laughs> all right. So um, let me go into my new and overly. I only have three. I rated that four and a half cash. Wow. Wow. Well, good for you. Yeah, I think doom was one. Oh, I, I think that's one I was thinking <laughs> of as well. Um, so I'm going to start off with a, a, what do they call it? Beyond beer product. Mm, Beyond beer. All right. It's actually a cider. Okay. (laughs) So it's not a seltzer or any kind of hogwash like that. This is a cider from One Tree Hard Cider Company. It's called the Snow Globe. It's a sweet cider. Now, we had this, this, I found this beer in the back of the fridge and I thought, you know what, uh, beer, cider, cider, not beer. I said, oh, you know what, I'm going to, let me drink this cider. It's, you know, I, just, I, I saw it back there. I was like, oh, I think we've had it for a while. Sure enough, we've had it since before Christmas. Mm. It's called Snow Globe, right? So it's going to be a winter cider. And I didn't realize until I brought it out and I looked in the bottom and I saw, wow, what's this silver stuff in the bottom of this bottle? And then I... As I was turning it, I started seeing like glitter come up out of it, and I read it, and it says this is a glitter beer or glitter cider. Uh, you know, uh, it says shake gently. So I started doing a swirling action, and I started swirling it, and sure enough, that glitter started rising up into the cider bottle. And I'll tell you what, this One Tree Hard Cider Company, they know how to put glitter into a product because this not only <laughs> suspended, it was a silver glitter on a uh, like a cranberry pink, like dark pink uh, cider, and it worked perfectly. Now, I've, I've mentioned that I've had glitter beer a couple of years ago. We did, we did an, uh, a show that talked about glitter beer. And I actually had a glitter beer from Barbarian Brewing here mm-hmm. in town, and I wasn't too impressed with it. Uh, and and that beer didn't suspend at all. You'd stir it, and it would go straight down. It's like, well, what the hell? Mm-hmm. It was like it wasn't working. And it didn't use the right color glitter. It was kind of a it was kind of depressing uh, for my first Something glitter I beer. I never thought I'd heard you say they didn't use the right colored glitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now move two years forward after I thought the glitter thing was like. Like that, that went up, and then I thought I just died. Right? I didn't think I'd ever see a glitter 
anything. And I pull it out and I'm just amazed that this is really working. This is what it should be. This is what I've seen on other videos of, of beers that were coming out of Portland, Oregon, that, that this was actually suspended and, and, and doing swirls and it was kind of cool. So I made a video and I posted it on our untapped or no, on our Instagram for tap to craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one tree cider right away responded back in, in a direct message to us saying, I, cause I made a comment in there that, Hey, this is, this is like a real glitter thing, right? The suspension is real. You can really see the snow globe effect. And I, I really kind of dug it. And they said, yeah, we have a secret method that we do it to, oh. to make that work. Well, hey, your secret works, whatever it is, it, it works perfect. So then I pour it. And again, the glitter in my glass, I was using this glass, by the way, it's just a, a pub glass mm-hmm. from the, the shoots. There's no etching on the bottom, but I'll tell you what, I pour it in there and just the, the agitation of pouring a beer in there, it swirled the stuff around and it was like a hypnotic effect on you just watching the swirls go around. Well, then you drink it and guess what? This was a fantastic cider. It wasn't a gimmick, right? It's a gimmick to put it in there and make a snow globe, but my gosh, the cider was really well done. Now, I'm not a big fan of sweet cider, and this is a, this is on the sweeter side, right. but it worked because it was, uh, I, I, they didn't really say what flavors were in there, but of course it was apple flavors. There was cinnamon flavors mm-hmm. in there, and there was what I was taking as cranberry flavors in there. I, I, I felt like the other flavor was in there was cranberry, and I think cranberries would give that red color as well to mm-hmm. the to it now maybe i'm completely wrong but it tasted like a, an apple cinnamon cranberry um like pie right it mm-hmm. had that characteristic of of eating a, a winter pie and a, and the cider was fantastic it was so fantastic um you know that i gave this thing a five cap rating oh. now part of that five cap rating if i would have just to rate the cider alone without the special glitter I might have given mm-hmm. it a four and a half, but I decided that that extra, extra ingredient in there that, of the glitter, mm-hmm. it gave me such joy in now. I mean, small things make me happy, but it, it gave me such joy that not only the cider was great, but the the visuals were fun and I enjoyed it. That I upped it an extra half cap rating okay. for my experience because I was just in a good mood, and I thought they did a great job. So yeah, so that's uh I found your beer. The Stone and Sierra Nevada NXS oh, yeah. from Stone yeah. and wow, Sierra. Wow, I actually gave so, that one three and a half caps though, huh? I mean you didn't rate it like anything crazy, yeah. but it's I mean it's there. Yeah, that's one of them. And there was another one from Stone, I think, that was a Belgian IPA too. There's a done with yeah. uh, ecliptic brewing, I think. Yeah, but still. But yeah, I've had a couple of those IPA barrel aged ones, and, and honestly, they're not that that great. But oh well. Okay, so that. Oh well. Oh, was that? I said it. Oh well. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, oh well. All right. That, so that was a cider. If you guys want to, it is sweet, um, but it's not overly sweet, right? It 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 was. I drank a twenty two ounce bottle of it, um, and I didn't feel like I was on a sugar high, right? It was not that sweet. It's a it's a little bit over. A semi-sweet sweetness, but not like super sweet. Not not pastry sweet. It's uh you know below that. But go try it if you can. All right, the next one is going back to the brewery that I'm so happy is distributing in Boise, Lumberbeard, 
Brewing. Uh, because every beer I've had from them has been fantastic. And I've, I just bought four more beers that they've brought to the, into the town hmm. and I'm looking forward to drinking all of them. But the first one I had was a Kolsch. It's called, uh, the friendly neighborhood Kolsch. And what I said on a tap is fantastic Kolsch style beer, crisp, refreshing with a solid bready malt character and delicious. I'll tell you what, these guys don't make a bad beer. And I gave this one a four and a half cap rating. And then the last beer is I was in Pocatello last weekend, and I can't go to Pocatello without visiting Jim Dandy Brewing. Jim Dandy. And I had a, a few beers there and brought a few beers home. And I'll only talk about one beer tonight. Um, I, I could talk about a few, but I'll just talk about one. It's from Jim Dandy Brewing, On the Grind Coffee Stout. Uh, what I said about this is coffee aroma is spot on, not overwhelming in the flavor and complements the chocolate and the lactose. It's also a milk stout. So it's like a coffee, mm. it's a coffee latte, like a latte stout. So it also has lactose in there. Um, nice. uh, it's also not too sweet, which I appreciate in a milk stout. I even get hints of dates in the finish. A very well-made beer that really takes off as it warms up. And I gave that one a four and a half cap rating as well. So those are my new and early beers, short and sweet. Um, I, I, I've been drinking a lot of, actually, I'll be honest with you. Uh, Saturday, I didn't drink any beer at all because I was in the mood for, I had two gin and tonics, which were fantastic. And I had two Moscow mules. So I was hitting the, uh, the more summery fun drinks uh, on Saturday. So I've been having a little bit of fun with uh, with drinking some spirits, and I've been drinking just my you know my my go to beers like Flyline Lager and other local favorites that I don't check into Untap because I drink them all the time. It's good. It's good. All right, Chris. Well, guess what? We're gonna wrap this sucker up pretty quick because it is Memorial Day, and we need to get back to our partying. <laughs> or sleep, or sleep, yeah, or sleep. I'm sure. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, Megan's not behind you, just snoring away, right? She's <laughs> is she is she sleeping? No. no, okay, okay. She's waiting <laughs> for you. Good, good. But before we wrap this thing up, Chris, I always want to give a chance for you to go ahead and raise a glass to someone you like to raise a glass to. So, who would you like to raise a glass to tonight? So, I want to raise a glass to uh, my buddy Trey Thrailkill uh, here in Tampa. Uh, Trey will be celebrating his 32nd birthday tomorrow. What a young And uh, I know he's such a child. He acts like it too. That's why he and I get along so well. Uh, but cheers to you, buddy. Happy birthday. I hope you and I get to have a beer pretty soon. Cheers, Trey. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully you're brewing some beer because, well, you're pretty damn good at that too. So what about you, Denny? Who would you like to raise a glass to? All right. Buddy? I raised my glass. I, I could pour another beer, but I still have a little sip here. First, I want to raise my glass to our Patreon supporter, and that would be, this week would be Johan Halberg. Cheers to you, Johan. We appreciate your support. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, you know, one day you're going to be here coming to America, and I'll be flying to wherever you're at so we can drink together. That would be great. Mm -hmm. And my second uh, toast goes out to our virtual producer, Mr. Mike Allen. It's his birthday today. Cheers, Mike. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And, uh, and yeah, he was, uh, as, as what I understand is that he took a week uh, to go hiking in the mountains, probably in the California or Nevada mountains there. So good for him. He, I, he 
posted some pictures of his of his uh, of his pack out, and I guess he made, made comments. There's some extra stuff in there for uh, you know because it's uh, you know some luxury items in there. But I saw what I'm looking at his stuff, and I say, what's luxury in that? There's no beer. Yeah, in there. well, yeah. There's no beer. Uh, maybe he has a flask in there I missed, but uh, yeah, it looked pretty much straightforward on what you need to go hiking for a week or, or a couple of days. I was days. talking to I said, you should get some dehydrated beer. That'll take care of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Just filter it through your filter. You get some water, filter mm-hmm. it in through there, shake mm-hmm. it up to get the uh, Got it. carbonation and then drink it up. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'll, also, of course, being that we're recording today on Memorial Day, it's a special time to thank all of our military men and women out there protecting our freedoms, especially those who died for our freedoms uh, on, and, and who were recognizing on this day, Memorial Day. Uh, thank you for your service and for uh, your support. I want you to go ahead and give a shout out or a toast to our sponsors. Sure. So at the forefront of the craft beer movement, Brewer Shirts was one of the first to create apparel that celebrates the art of brewing and the love of fine beer. Never too trendy, always comfortable and offering affordable quality. They screen print their gear by hand in their studio using eco-friendly inks, materials, and processes. Visit their online store at brewershirts.com and use the coupon code TAPTHECRAFT2020 to receive 15% off full-priced items. And you can find the beers and links to the articles that we mentioned on the show in the show notes located on the show post at tapthecraft.com. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw. And Chris, how can our listeners follow you? So you can never follow me on in, on Twitter at Chris underscore McKenzie eighty two. Never, I'm never no. there. I, I don't can't remember the last time I mm-hmm. logged into there. Um, or you can find me on Untapped and Instagram at MCK one three four five. And of course, guys, you can find us on all things social media at Tap the Craft. Go follow us, like us, subscribe. We would absolutely appreciate your support. Yeah, we sure do. All right, it is last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading, and listening. We ask you to please, please tell a friend, and of course, subscribe on all. All the applications out there, just just subscribe to all of them. Download them all. We want to get your numbers. Yeah, I'm not going to go through and tell you what they are. You guys know what they are. But, hey, <laughs> subscribe, rate us, give us a review, let other people know about us. If you just, We would love for you guys just to spread the word of what we do to your friends and get them to uh, listen along with you and, and join in. And as a reminder, we do release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.